This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. At your nose. Yuletide cows being sung by choir. <laughs> Folks dressed up like Eskimos. I got one of them. That'll be the... Uh... <laughs> keep, keep it going for Dylan. Help to make the season bright. <laughs> this is our holiday episode. Tiny tots. I just started recording, so. Be careful, you're Shut up, Dillman. No, don't ruin my fucking tree. All right. Hey, you're literally going to knock it off. All right. And we are back. <laughs> What's up? And uh, so let's just start the show. Um, that was yeah, let's, let's just go freeform here. We all obviously know the, the major topic at hand, and I'm sure there's a bunch of other subplots that we'll get into. So, Patty, lead us, lead us away or lead us astray. All right. Episode 14. We've had uh, quite a wild ride up to this point. Uh, took a break after, after USC to regroup and regather our thoughts. And uh, now we're here. Uh, happy second day of Hanukkah for those who observe. I don't know if there's any Jews in Canada, but that's okay. Uh, but we'll get to that. Really, I am I am through the moon with excitement. It's college football playoff time, and we are ready to go. We are rip-roaring, and I am fully on the Clemson hate train. Not sure about you two. Yeah, Um before we continue, if I can take something from my NFL team and say, how about them Irish? How about them Irish? Fuck yeah. What, what, what week was it when I said we were in the playoff? Like week four? Something like that. I said, we're in. Undefeated. And here we are. Um, fantastic season. Um, fuck every single fan out there who's been shitting on us for not playing at a conference. Fuck you. We told you we were getting into the playoff. You're not keeping us out of it. And that's pretty much where I'm at right now. Just uh, pretty much enjoying the tears of everyone. Um, and really thinking about that 2015 game where I didn't realize it. I was actually just watching a video uh, made by Dos Leprechauns podcast. They had a little hype video. It was really good. And uh, fucking three turnovers or four fumbles. Like we... We had, there was three minutes left to tie the game and we fumbled it, got it back and then scored with like seven seconds left. Like that's a game we could have won and uh, we could have been in the playoff that year too. So I really want to dish out some revenge. Um, I don't think, I'm, I'm happy we got Clemson. I think that's a winnable game. Uh, yeah, Steve, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, exactly correct. And and obviously, you know, uh, us three, uh, the, the three out of the four horsemen, the fourth, Horseman being you, the listener, uh, <laughs> R.I.P. Joe. Um, yeah, we, we, us three, we, we chatted up obviously all day, every day in, 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 uh, in our little group chat talking about these things. And I had made, uh, made it a point that, uh, you know, the, the 2000, what was it? 15, you said 2015 Clemson game, you know, Clemson beats us 24, 22 at home. We actually got the two-point conversion, but it was called uh, a pick play, basically offensive pass interference. Therefore, you know, then it was a two-point conversion from like the what twelve-yard line. So 
Obviously, we threw an interception on the next play, game over. Um, like 13 months later, I mean, that particular year, Clemson loses the national championship to Bama by five. Mm-hmm. 13 months later, they literally beat Alabama on the final play with the throw to, Ren, uh, to Hunter Renfrey or whatever the hell his name is in the corner of the end zone. It, same exact play, literally an exact replica of what we did to Clemson. Clemson did to Alabama, no call. So just I think either it, it's just total bullshit. We should have beat Clemson that year. I think we finished nine and three and ended up like 10 and three with the bull wins. Uh, I think that was against LSU actually, if um, I remember correctly. Mixing up your years. The pick play was Florida state. That was the year before. It was also a pick play against Clemson, yeah, there, wasn't it? There was a pick play against Clemson, but it wasn't for the two. Uh, they ran an outside zone and they got stuffed. Um, we ended up going ten and two. That was Kaiser's year where he broke out, and we lost to Ohio State by a okay. little. That was the Jalen Smith uh, injury. Yeah, I know we finished ten and three. I just wasn't sure if we finished nine and three with a bowl win or or whatnot. Exactly. But regardless, you were at a holiday. Um, we'll we'll let we'll let that slide a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But regardless, that was uh, two years in a row where Clemson was a dominant force, and they were on of national prominence. And are you going to tell me today that the the Irish team back then was better than this Irish team today? No. Well, we're a better team today than we were then. We competed then. We can compete now. I I don't mean to to sign any uh, alarms. Sorry, rat dog. Uh, I don't mean to any alarms here. But Steve is uncharacteristically optimistic about this game. I'm not saying we're going to win. I'm saying this is a game that we are going to compete in, and I am somewhat, almost, kind of confident. Well, that just fucking doomed our season right there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Here's here's the way I think about it. Now let me pre-qualify with Clemson 100, Notre Dame nothing. Let me do my job. Let me get it out of the way. We'll do a. We'll definitely do a preview, like another podcast before um, the game, and I'm sure we'll do a few throughout the bowl season or whatever. Um, but I think uh, I like your line of thinking because I'm thinking the same way. That Irish team is not as good as the one now, and I don't think Clemson is good as as good as they were um, in 2015 with Deshaun Watson. At least not offensively. I think maybe defensively. Um, the front seven's better, although their secondary is actually weak, and I can get into that in a bit. Um, well, weak relatively to Clemson. Uh, but, yeah, no, that was a potent offense that we held to 24 points on the road. So um, I think this is a winnable game. I think 11, minus 11, Clemson is a ridiculous cover. Um, I think that's Notre Dame's going to clean that easily. I would have guessed six and a half. The fact that it's 11, you just take the money, take your points there. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for it. Uh, I think this is a chance to prove everyone we are in the top four. At least if we give them a good game. And here's the thing. If we give them a good game and get blown out by Alabama again, nobody can say we didn't belong to be there because we won the semi. You know, in 2012, we didn't. And people were like, oh, you weren't good at, that, at all that year. If you win your semi, you are one of the four best teams in the country. And I think that's where we really got to prove ourselves long term is with a big win uh, December was it 28th or 29th. 29th at 4 p.m. People don't forget. I have a lot of things to say right now. First, Michigan, the Horseman Curse is undefeated. Mackenzie Milton, Tua, Garner Minshew, Bryce Love, you've all been hit by the Horseman Curse, 
And let me tell you, buddy, it is no coincidence that that long-haired skater boy, surfer boy, fuck, Trevor Lawrence is coming up against the Horseman Curse. And I have said we are going to hang his head like Delilah by the end of the game. We are going to cut his long hair off. He's no fucking Samson. The Horseman Curse is coming for you, Trevor, you fucking 18-year-old coward. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. Yeah. I that's my main point. We'll get into the whole thing about Clemson, but let me tell you guys, Trevor Lawrence is not Deshaun Watson. He is a good running back. Travis Ntn, he's French. He's a coward. He's a good. <laughs> and this is me just talking out my ass right now because I have not done any research. But I am not scared of Clemson. I want Clemson. I want Dabo. I'm ready to run through a brick fucking wall right now because the Irish are coming to play. You have Trevor Lawrence line up against Gilman, Coney, Tranquil, and we'll see what happens. And by the way, Tranquil's going to have you know four weeks now, five if you count obviously last week, to to be on a one hundred percent ankle. Guy had a high ankle sprain, play, and then played two more games, missing zero time. And he has a broken hand. Good point. And uh, congratulations, Drew. Uh, he has a baby coming in uh, May of twenty nineteen. Confirmed one-time sex haver. So, congrats uh, to that, Drew. But, you know, really, Clemson's the perfect draw. I think with Oklahoma, Tua's actually more hurt than they're letting on. You don't get surgery for a high ankle sprain. Uh, so, there, there's something going on there. I'm not a doctor, but I can confirm you don't get surgery for a high ankle. I think, uh, the, I think the rest is almost more helpful for our kicker, Justin Yoon. Because uh, he looks hurt in the last few weeks. Yeah. Uh, he oh. doesn't have the distance. I mean, in that SC game, he barely got it past. It was like, was it 40-something? Right. But, you know, with him, he had to take over the duties for kickoffs just because uh, the kicker isn't good. And I'm really glad we're getting those two, uh, the preferred walk-on and then the punter from uh, Alabama to take over because uh, I'm not even going to give the kids the kids the right name because I can't remember. He's so obsolete in my mind right now. But um, it'll help Yoon. It'll help Williams heal up. And I really, if you look at the games Clemson struggled with, it, look at the Syracuse game. They had a prolific ru- running offense, and they had a quarterback who could move the ball not only through the air but with his feet. And now we know that Ian Book isn't afraid to get the tough yards. And uh, I almost jumped through my ceiling uh, when he got that first down on that uh, on that rush. Yeah, on that extended play, like, screw, move over Johnny Manziel. There's a new football guy. Yeah, he's a good quarterback. But the, the big issue, I don't want to talk about USC – uh, it seems like all of our superstitions worked. The green jersey is undefeated so far this season. Uh, Dylan's girlfriend got him his Notre Dame socks when they were losing. I left a group chat that I was in previously, and we won. And uh, Steve is still alive. So, you know. I think, we, I think we have to spend at least a few minutes bathing in that Trojan glory. Um, I mean, yeah. You get a chance to, at least not for our listeners, talk about how beautiful beating USC is on the road. It, it was the best. And JT Daniels is a mental midget uh, or mental little person, whatever we want to use for that term. Um, he is an ugly motherfucker. He, it continues a line the, of the triple F's, the fat face fucks over there. 
and I'm not allowed to bully Sam Arnold anymore. But uh, I've been told that by my legal counsel. Uh, but he is 18 years old. He left Modern Day early to go play quarterback for USC. Oh, that's real cool. He got held back in eighth grade. He's a dumb motherfucker too. So uh, it, it, everything and everyone saying, especially Herb Street, oh, USC showed how you can beat the Irish with a quick passing offense. Yeah, when you script all 48 plays that you run in the first half. Yeah, how'd that go in the second half for them, by the way? It, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And then you, you look at what Clemson did. Oh, Clemson beat Pitt. Good. Clemson should beat Pitt by all accounts. And it, this whole rhetoric that Notre Dame is one of the best four teams in the nation, before the season started, we were saying that they weren't even going to be in this situation because of how hard their schedule was. Mm-hmm. They won tough games. They won close games. And USC, they were down 10, and they rallied back and win. Yeah, it was a one-score game. Kind of cool that we started the season 24-17 and ended 24-17. Yep. But at the same time, that last bullshit score at the end, it didn't matter. Just like the last bullshit score against uh, Michigan didn't matter. Yeah, it was garbage time touchdown too. But I think it's just for the program to beat Michigan and USC in a year where we run the table. It's just beautiful. I mean, if you look in history how many times we've done that, I'm pretty fucking sure we've won a national championship or got pretty close to it. Last year we did that was 1988. Oh, 2012. Uh, well, no, when we won a national championship was 88. Yes, and we beat both of them to start the year and end the year, I think, too. Um, look, I, I'm, I'm a big romantic for the program and for the sport. So I just, I just love the fact that we did that, but look, Kelly against rivals, man, got a great record. Everyone except Stanford, he's got a winning record for, um, uh, Michigan. He's now 500. So, uh, and just one thing I want to interject quickly is, uh, you know, the, the whole rhetoric that Kelly can't win the big game, but I mean, he, he did win two out of three national title appearances at Grand Valley State Division Two. Yes, it's Division Two. Still two fucking national titles. And that's really going to help this year. Uh, not to really dismiss the USC, which was a great game. Um, but, you know, we're on to, we're on to Dabo now and Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you'll be seeing me in your mentions. Uh, but <laughs> being at Grand Valley State, you had to win four games in – I think like four weeks. So he's used to that limited preparation time. So he actually outlined what he's doing for the team now. And he's almost taken it as an approach of the D2, uh, the D2 individuals. So it's, it's really interesting that he's taken it like he was at Grand Valley State with how they're going to prep for the, the semifinal and the national championship. I think you got to take into account to how fucking hard it is to coach at Notre Dame and how hard it is to win at Notre Dame. I know we love to be just infatuated with our fucking academics and how morally superior we are to everybody, but it's hard, right? They're extremely strict on everything, on school, on your ethics, um, on who gets to recruit into the school, plus the traveling, and it's not appealing to everybody. It's hard on the coach to recruit who you want, right? We infamously almost got Randy Moss at Notre Dame, but couldn't in because of his academics. Um, what's that? I'm pretty sure it was because of a school fight. Oh, he, I was, he was committed. I'm, I'm from, I remember from Rand university, he was committed to ND was going to show up. Um, and because, you know, there was uh surprise, surprise, some racial tension, 
back in the nineteen eight or what nineteen eighties. Yes. Yep. In uh, in in West Virginia, uh, he got into a fight at school with some kids mouthing off. He was not the aggressor. He was just defending himself. But still, uh, you know, different time in the world. Not to get too sociopolitical, but um, you know, black kid, uh, you know, obviously is going to have the blame. Unfortunately, just how the, the world was at that time, which is bullshit. But so he had his scholarship pulled from ND. Then he went to Florida State. Then uh, I think he was caught smoking weed at Florida State or something like that, and then was suspended for an entire year. That's when he transferred to Marshall. Oh, I I thought it was academics, but if that's the case, that's yeah, I thought it was academics, but still, like he. Would, well, you don't you don't get recruited by ND if you don't have a three right? Right, and that's what makes it so hard about being Notre Dame. We're really unrealistic with ourselves with what we can do, and the fact that Kelly has had ten wins in the last three ten win seasons, in the last four years, including a title appearance and now a playoff appearance. This guy can fucking coach, man. Notre Dame is not easy. There's a reason we sucked balls for 30 years. There's a reason why Urban Meyer doesn't want to coach here. It's hard. <laughs> and I know Urban Meyer would die on the field if he coached an end day. Let's be real. I get yeah, Fair enough. But, like, I know our fans are so proud of how just great we are. But, guys, we're so strict that it, it actually hurts the program a lot. And the fact that we've overcome that, I don't think we can let that get lost. Kelly is the coach of the year. What other coach would have changed their starting quarterback, who's like eleven and three as a starter for the backup? Who else would have replaced two top ten offensive linemen? Who else would have took a team that people thought were eh, you know, maybe mid teens, twenties, to undefeated, you know, college football playoffs? So, you know, I'm making my case for Brian Kelly right now, not only among Notre Dame fans who are anti Kelly, but honestly, just if any award voters are out there, this is your guy. And don't forget, he lost his defensive coordinator and his uh, his offensive line coach, which coached a historic offensive line. And his running back, who was the uh, all-time season leader for Notre Dame in rushing yards. Like, just so much. And really, it all comes back to what we said at the beginning of the year, the chaos. That was our first podcast. We talked about the chaos he did in the offseason. And you laughed at it. I, I laughed at it, but the chaos worked. And he's he understands how to manage and mitigate these situations. And everyone's saying, "Oh, you know, Jake Fromm is such a good risk manager." Blah 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 blah. blah. No, he's not. No, uh, the other three teams, like I'm. This is my I guess hot word of the day. A bunch of mental midgets. You have Kelly Bryan leaving to transfer to fucking Arkansas tomorrow. Hat tip, part of my take. Uh, but with that. He's leaving because he got benched. Brandon Wimbush got benched. Brandon Wimbush is going to be a key contributor to the playoff offense. I don't know how. I don't know when. But he's going to be a key contributor. Just lining so, up. Just so lining up. Yeah, just put him out there. Like, So the whole thing, you have Alabama. Oh, Tua and Jalen Hurts, they're such great teammates. Fuck them. They're not great teammates. They're getting paid a bag by Alabama to stay there. Like, the boosters are doing something down there. And while Indy might have a couple boosters, allegedly, the whole thing about them is Kelly gets the person up, the next man in, ready to go right away. It doesn't have to be, oh, I'm so isolated. I can't take this because I'm, you know, I can't be here. All other three teams are individuals. Notre Dame is the most complete team in the college football playoff. It's a bold claim, but 
you know, there is there is something to it, right? Notre Dame is an elite passing defense this year. Oh they no, I'm not, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about complete team in terms of all oh, oh, special teams. I'm talking about individuals who put the team above self. And you you can't say that about the other teams. I mean, you do have a few individuals who just declared for the Senior Bowl, uh, who may not be putting the team above self. But you know, out of 120 guys, 119 putting themselves or putting the team above them, that's pretty special. And I was referencing Alizé Mack. He uh, declared for the Senior Bowl. Uh, kind of a dick move to do right now. Drew Tranquil did it before this whole situation was uh, rising, but uh, that's besides the point there. I think it's it's okay. I mean, we have literally so many pipeline prospects that uh, Alizé was my guy that I'm still holding on to. I'm still holding on to hope that hopefully he's going to let it rip in the playoffs, but – um, I think he's an NFL caliber guy at this point. Obviously, the the scheme and kind of a few other mitigating factors didn't put up crazy stats, but I think he could be uh, a fifth or sixth round pick. And I end up, I think he can end up being a an NFL starter someday. But not all the talent in the world, that's for sure. But I wonder. Um, I don't know if you guys remember in 2012 when Notre Dame made the run, but. They got a surprising amount of high recruits near the end of the season that had no business going to Notre Dame that were like not even on the recruiting trail for it. Uh, specifically, Eddie Vanderdose, who ended up transferring. Going to UCLA, yeah. yeah. But uh, I wonder if that's going to happen this year because we're not really set for a big recruiting class. I don't know if we're in on anyone big anymore. But that's kind of interesting. Well, you well, mentioned we're in like 27 in. So with that, that's both. Uh, well, the thing is, it's like at this point, uh, we have so many defensive line, offensive line prospects that th- we just need. If if we if we're gonna pick up anyone else, it, it, the, the only person I want is just a five star athlete game breaker. Give me a cornerback, give me a safety, give me a wide receiver, give me a running back. That is just absolute talent levels off the chart. Reggie Bush of at Helix High School. If we're not getting that, we have so much talent in the pipeline. Then let's just focus on 2020. Yeah, apparently we're at, we're at uh, this recruit class too deep at every position on the yeah, and then we even have the punter who's going to start for four years. Number one punter. Don't know what that was. I uh, guess we're not allowed to talk about Alabama punters right now. <laughs> Nick Saban has me tapped or, or something. But yeah. so, can I say something about Clemson? Yeah. Um, okay, so if you make it mean, you get extra bonus points. If I make it mean, yeah, they're the least original fucking team name in the country. How about that? Mm, they are the John Smith and Mascots, like three tigers in you know the south already. Yeah, and there's actually no tigers in South Carolina. I've been there. That is an important part of a franchise. They also covered up a steroid scandal in 1985. Yeah, you don't forget. They're also a dog shit program up until like five years ago. Dabo isn't a real name. <laughs> uh, continue. Sorry, we had to get that all out. Yeah. No, he's he's too uh, he's too crazy. You know what I mean? Like that guy is nuts. <laughs> continue. Like, continue your point here. I'm I'm very very interested to see where you're going with this. Okay. Um, so the Clemson defense is one of the top rated in the country. Phenomenal defense, but what kind of just occurred to me is you also was a top defense metrically until, no, they, until they played a good offense. 
ND in 2012? Nope. Bama. We played them this year. Uh, Stanford. Syracuse. Michigan. Oh, Michigan, yes. Michigan is a top-rated defense who hasn't played any good offensive teams, and when they do, they get fucking lit up. Now, here's the thing with Clemson. Who have they played offensively? Syracuse. They gave up, what, 20 points, 23 points, 24? Syracuse, yeah, that was probably the only offensive game that they've had. But at home. At home. And, well, they, they lost the quarterback, too, but they still gave up 20-some points. And here's the thing, the angle I'm going for. Michigan's defense looks so good, it's, in, it's skewed by how bad the Big Ten offense is. It's the same thing in the ACC. And I feel like as great as the Clemson defense is, and that front seven is amazing, they could get exploited when they play an actually good team. And then put them to the wire. Especially the most accurate passer in the game, or one of the most accurate passers, who does get the ball out snap to pass pretty quickly. And, and here's the thing. I was actually just listening to uh, Joel Klatt talk about this. The Clemson's weakness is their secondary. That's mm-hmm. where- South Carolina has moved the ball on them. Um, and you saw that in that game for quite a bit. They were moving the ball well. So the only, the only two close games, just to piggyback off your point, Texas A&M, two-point win. Uh, Syracuse, four-point win. And then South Carolina, yeah, they made it one fifty-six to 35. But they they were, you know, it was 28-21 at halftime. So, so if we put up 35 on Clemson, are we losing that game? No. I don't think so. I don't. We've never given up more than what was it, twenty-eight points this year? Yeah. And that was in a what was it, a fifty-six to twenty-eight blowout against Wake Forest on the road. Yep, yep. garbage time. So we have a good scoring defense. Um, it's very consistent. It's not hugely, uh, you know, shut out, but it is very consistent at about seventeen points a game. So here's the thing: you can move the ball in Clemson early. Don't let that front seven get the chance to play against you, kind of like USC did with us. Uh, move the ball quick and keep them respectable with the run because Dexter Williams can run the ball. If you if you keep Clemson's defense, force them to respect you and are not getting to the quarterback, and like Michigan, you got to get the ball out quick because our offensive line is not the best in the country, so we have, to, we have to watch out for that. But we can move the ball on them. Can they move the ball on us? That quarterback hasn't faced a good defense this year. Has there been a single good defense Clemson has played? Because I can't think of one. Maybe Furman. Furman. Boston College? (laughs) No, yeah, I I would agree with every point that you just made there. And I do understand where individuals come from saying that Clemson's the number two team in the nation. And Notre Dame ain't playing nobody, Paul. But at the same time, did Clemson? Did Bama? Notre Dame ended with a higher strength of schedule than Clemson. Boom. And Alabama was tied 10 to 10 at half against the Citadel. And we will never forget that. Never. Uh, so real quick, ending it with some Heisman. I uh, should be Ian Book. It won't be this year. Who uh, are the most prolific scorer in Notre Dame history. Yeah, his first, what, four snaps of the season were all touchdowns. 100% correct. And just going off that, Tua, Kyler, and um, the Dwayne Haskins, Dwight Haskins, the Ohio State guy. Uh, yeah, I don't know his name. I, he, he's irrelevant. The Big Ten's irrelevant. Um, I'm pulling for Kyler. Just going to put it out there. He's the best athlete, and uh, it'll just lead credence to my horseman curse. So I'm, I'm mixed on that because I hate Alabama, and I don't want him to ever have success in anything. But – 
if Oklahoma wins another Heisman, I believe they tie Notre Dame and Ohio State for seven and kind of USC, depending on how you count Heismans. Um, so there's a little bit of history at play there. Um, I would probably, at the end of the day, give my vote to Tua, although the last performance was very shaky and Kyler was very good. Um, but here's the thing. He's putting up historic you know, quarterback numbers in the SEC where Kyler was doing that in the Big Ten or Big 12. So I think I'd probably go with Tua, but, you know, you can't go wrong either way. I can't wait to watch that matchup. I said it on the podcast. I've tweeted it. Alabama-Oklahoma is the game to watch. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and legitimately, uh, well, that will be a shootout. We know for sure, obviously, because Oklahoma doesn't play defense. And that's actually why I think that the Heisman should, asterisks, uh, go to Kyler Murray because the Heisman goes to the player deemed most valuable to his team playing at a level of excellence or however the fuck they want to word it specifically. But basically it's the, the MVP specific to that team. We saw in the conference championship game, um, two is a bitch and he was replaceable. He was literally replaced on the final drive with a guy that stepped in and did his job for him. You know, in Jalen hurts. Good for that kid. I mean, I fucking hate you, but whatever. Um, you know, Kyler, you can make the argument that, yeah, Tua had incredible video game numbers, uh, and he was only playing in half of games because by halftime, they blew teams out. But that's the thing, is every game was a blowout. He had no pressure on him. The only time he had pressure, he was down by two scores in the SEC championship game, folded like a house of cards. You got him on the run, and he folded. Yep, so... I think his brother or cousin plays on ND. Yes, um, Myron. Myron's defensive tackle. Yeah. So he, uh, but the thing is with Kyler is Kyler had to go out and he knew he had to put up 45, 55 points a game because if he didn't, that defense was giving up 45 to 55 points a game. So the defense literally did him zero favors. Whereas the Alabama defense, Tua could have a bad day. Tua could throw two interceptions and only throw for 220 yards and only score 28 points. They're still winning that game 28 to 10. He didn't though. That's the thing. He didn't. He didn't. He he dominated. Obviously, too, is statistically excellent and in in a lot of ways. Will that transfer to the next level? That's irrelevant for the for the conversation of Heisman. Um, he's obviously a historically great player at the college football level. Um, but when it comes down to a player being more valuable to his team, that rationale is why. If I had a vote, it would be to Kyler Murray. Yeah. Remember when Bryce Love was in the Heisman uh, race? <laughs> and remember he had like 22 yards other than his 41-yard scamper? Let me, uh, let, let me just rehash one thing about the Heisman race right now. Bryce Love played in 10 games this year. He had 166 rushes for 739 yards and six touchdowns. Ha! <laughs> That's all. <laughs> just wanted to get that on wax to make sure that everyone understood uh, that love is indeed overrated and the horse, horseman curse is real. Uh, you know, other than that, I've said my piece for today. Uh, Hammer UAB in the Booker Atone Bowl. Uh, that's my piece of advice for everyone here. And Memphis. Hammer Memphis. It, is that what's that? The pardon my take with the Barstool Sports presents, pardon my take presents. The Bernie Madoff Booker Raton Ponzi Steam Ponzi Steam Awareness Bowl. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Uh, shout out PMT. Uh, maybe you'll retweet one of these one of these days if we talk about you enough. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, there's not much more that we have to add today. Obviously, we have three weeks to to go over everything. The guys are making, uh, you know, the coaches are making some uh, some trips around the country, try to hopefully get some uh, some final recruits, and we can talk about that more as National Signing Day approaches. We obviously know the matchups at this point. It's just a matter of our guys getting healthy and the preparation, and I'm sure there's going to be a whole bunch of storylines coming out. So I know I am all set for today. Dylan, closing thoughts? Yeah, we're in the playoff, baby. You know, who would have thought that two years ago? Um, it just it feels so good. Uh, yeah, we beat USC, we beat Michigan, we're gonna beat Clemson. Uh, we have a real shot this year. We're good on both sides of the ball. Um, as long as the O line holds up, uh, I think we can do it. I mean, we'll have another podcast for sure. Uh, we'll probably do more. You know, ask a Canadian. I still have to quiz you guys. By the way, I'm working on that. Yeah, we, we got plenty of time. December 29th at 4 p.m. is a far time away. Yeah. And uh, I don't know what our podcasting schedule will look like over the holidays, but you know, we'll be free. Yeah, you have Botsin Day or something, right? Yeah. Um, also, uh, I found out that you asked me last week or the week before, whatever, why Thanksgiving was celebrated on a different day, and I thought it was the Commonwealth. Apparently, that's laughably bad, and I was completely wrong. Uh, it just has something to do with like harvest times. Uh, apparently, the Commonwealth doesn't celebrate. Oh, the, the Jewish farmers. Yeah, I guess Canada and the U.S. have different likely. <laughs> oh, you said harvest times, not harvest steins. <laughs> you idiot! I'm an idiot. Sorry, I, I, I thought right. impromptu, quick impromptu, uh, impromptu. Ask a Canadian: Is it called Boxing Day because you all go into the streets and box one another? Uh, no. I don't know why it's called Boxing Day, but we have sales the day after Christmas, and that's why. Don't you give shit to the homeless that day? I'm sure some people do. I I feel like I saw that on an episode of Gilmore Girls or something. It could be. There was no homeless people in Canada. Okay, no. Um, I thought, to be honest, that everyone had Boxing Day. I'm actually learning just now that you guys don't. No, it's called Christmas Day. Yeah, well, the 26th is Boxing Day, day after, and that's when the World Juniors of Hockey start. There's a reason for that because it's boxing. That's called curl up in a ball in your cubicle, throw up into your trash can, hate your life, and try to sneak in watching Netflix and hope your manager doesn't show up day. Mm. Official name. Official for you, name. For you, Steve. Yeah, I'll, be on, I'll be on break because school will be completely off for a couple of weeks. So I will uh... hammered all Christmas. I'll be uh I'll be here. So with that, that was our impromptu ask a Canadian. They may have Christmas, they might have Jews, have to <laughs> with all the Jewish followers, and it is officially tiger hunting season for you four horsemen nation. And with that, I leave you with a go Irish, happy holidays, and we'll see you next time. Go Irish. <laughs> <laughs>